Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and this is episode 65. And today we're going to be hearing Mike's story of his own experiences of growing up in the church, and how did that impact his decisions in terms of religious affiliation as an adult. Let's do this! Hey everyone, thank you guys so much for joining us today on this episode. This is going to be a continuing series in which we focus on stories surrounding those who have no religious affiliation or friends who have left religious affiliation for whatever reasons. And we want to be spending time just to listen to their stories. And today we have the honor of chatting with Mike. And Mike and I go way, way back. We've known each other for many years. And in that regards, it's been kind of cool to have this shared life together. We've known each other since high school days. And so it's almost been about 20 years. And we have a good group of friends from our high school and we keep in touch even to this day, which is great, even though we're all around the world and you know we're having a fun time doing that. So Mike, how are you doing? Good. Thanks, John. Thanks. Thanks for having me on tonight. Really appreciate your time. Yeah. You know what? I have to ask you, you know, we have been separated in terms of distance for a while. And so, you know, Around where you guys are, you know, how have you guys been dealing with the pandemic that all of us are facing? From the very beginning, I, I've always sort of looked at it like, well, things are not the way they were, right? And I'm, I'm sure we all wish there's many aspects we, we wish would return sooner rather than later, right? To how yeah. like seeing people in person. I mean, you know that more than anyone else, really. But at the same time, the situation is what it is, right? So you, you, you kind of have to adapt and, and make the best out of it and find new ways of of doing things like like this chat we're having tonight, right? I mean, this probably wouldn't have happened in this format. Yeah, technology, right? So you know, it, it sort of it sort of helps keep you on your toes and adapting, making the best out of things, right? Because it, it, I have it happens to me sometimes too. I'll sit there and be like, oh man, you know, I miss this, I miss that, right? Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure everyone's going through that, right? So no, I could definitely appreciate that kind of approach of learning just to roll with the times, you know, adapt yeah, to the situation. I, I think it's so necessary. I mean. Well, at least it doesn't look like we're going to be going back to kind of that type of normal for a long time. And even after this ends in the near future, hopefully, yeah. that you know we'll be discovering kind of a new way of connecting with one another. So I, I do miss seeing you in person. It has been way, t- way too long. Agreed. Agreed. Likewise. Yes. Well, let's just jump right into it. You know, we sure. just want to hear a little bit about your background with religion, spirituality, and church. What has been your experiences? You know, you probably know my story with similar stories. My parents, they, they came over to Canada, first generation, right? So when they were in uh, grade school, they're about, when they had us kids, their philosophy always was, we're in Canada now, so it's not China. We need to sort of adapt and learn how things are over here because this is our country now, right? This is our home now. And, and I'm not saying get rid of everything Chinese completely. I mean, I still like my Chinese food as much as you do, but uh, <laughs> of course, same time, right? One of those things was when we were, I don't know, grade four, five, six around there, uh, my mom decided one day that, hey, there's church. 
So let's go and try some churches. It, it was literally that, like, let's see what this is about, right? Mm-hmm. It was something to sort of explore and provide some stability or direction in, in life, right? When, when everything seems to change so much all the time. So this being Ottawa, Canada, we, we tried a couple of different churches. We started off with the bigger Chinese churches downtown. And mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly where they were, right? But they decided they... Uh, went around a bit and my mom eventually wound up at a United church as a, I don't know if it's a denomination or whatever the term for that is. That seemed to be where we liked things. So for a number of years, every Sunday we'd go, you know, as a kid, you'd sit through the first half of the service waiting for be dismissed for Sunday school, which is where you got to see your friends and <laughs> right. So, uh, and, and I'll be honest, that, that was great and everything. Right. And off you went and you made your friends and you had the church retreats. Right. And it was just a good time. But at the same time, myself in particular, right, I'm going through growing up teenage years, insecure, right? Insecure, not sure of wanting to be cool, not really being cool, right? You know, the whole, the whole story, right? It's, it's nothing unique or new to anybody, right? And so it was sort of church, like other things my parents made us do, scouts or whatnot. It wasn't, in my mind, it wasn't really cool, right? So the peer pressure thing came into play, right? I didn't, mm. I didn't to go after a certain point as I got older because I was like, cool kids are not doing it, right? I mean, now you and I sit here and talk and we've reached a point in our lives and for some time now where it's like, I want to do this, I'm going to do this, right? Mm. I don't care what people think anymore, right? The older you get, and that's what I love about being older, right? I don't care what people think. Basically, that's that's in a nutshell. Yeah, that's what it was. When I reached probably number of years going to church when I didn't have to go anymore, especially when after high school, off to university, right, uh, away from home, I just basically stopped going, but it had nothing to do in my mind with religion. I always did and still do in this day, consider myself to this day, consider myself religious, believe in a higher being, right? Mm -hmm. If for no other reason, then once again, it comes back to the, when things are not going great or when things are going great, it just gives you the constant to sort of rely on, right? And at the same time, the big thing from church for a number of years was the stories, the values, the morals, right? Every, every week's sermon would be a different passage, right? And then uh, talk about what that meant. And in Sunday school, it was just the same thing, basically, but in kid terms, right? So, I mean, over the years, it's, it sort of stayed like that. I, I stopped going to church because I honestly, to me, I didn't really feel a need or... I don't know if see a point is the right way of putting it, but I just figured, you know, I don't need to go to church to live my life by some values that I want to live them by, right? Mm, thanks so much for sharing that. And it's kind of interesting to hear a little bit of your backstory because part of it actually I did not know that, you know, prior to kind of those elementary school years, grade four, five, and six, that, mm. you know, that that wasn't part of the way you grew up. Actually, when I had met you in high school, I had actually thought that you had always been part of a church, you know, kind of growing up, but didn't know that at one point your parents were like, oh, you know, this is part of our culture. You know, this is something that, you know, we want to kind of be exploring and be a part of and trying that out and kind of, you know, trying to discover what that meant for your lives. And and so, you know, kind of looking back, you know, even for your parents, was it really the, like, the impetus was because they, you know, had you and your brother and and they were thinking about what did that kind of normalcy look like for your family? And so for them, it's, it wasn't something that was stemming from something in the past. 
or their own personal experiences in the past, but rather something that they just wanted to explore because they were a family. You guys were a family together, right? Well, yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. You have young kids, right? Slightly younger than my pain in the... <laughs> but I mean, and you must realize like it's different for you, but with a regular schedule on the weekends, that's a lot of time with your kids. So I'm honestly thinking at a certain point, they're just like, we got to get out of the house and do something with these kids, right? So like <laughs> church, sure, right? So, but no, it was really my mom who, who drove it all. I, I don't know why she suddenly decided one day, we're going to start going to church. But for them, my mom and dad, it's really stuck. And obviously not today in this uh, pandemic going on, but they still do go to church, same United Church every weekend. Uh, now they have virtual services. I believe they've recently started offering, right? Over the years, after his kids left the home, they went to another, they tried a couple of different churches just every now and then just for change of style, right? I mean, it really depends on the personality and the views of the minister, right? Even in the United Church, which is sort of like, I don't know, I've been told, I understand it's like the margarine of churches, right? So uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's very inclusive and right. So they still do go and uh, it really means a lot to them because they have they've developed a great circle of friends there that they all rely on for friendship and everything right for me i didn't really keep any friends from church no particular reason just didn't happen that way right i don't think it has anything to do with the people i met there or didn't meet there it's just sort of the way life was right but yeah for my brother and i we we stopped going i personally don't know what his views are and that sort of ties back to my view that i don't really care what people believe in terms of religion, just do what you need to do. And as long as it doesn't harm others, right? So I just kind of do my thing. And people ask me if I'm religious, I say, yes, I'm religious, right? But it's not something I go around knocking on door to door, handing out pamphlets, right? So <laughs> sure. Not that you do, not that you do. I just, I've had a couple of them recently and right. That's your experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, what are some of the things that you look back on and you were sharing just about, you know, what the average Sunday look like for you, you know, being part of the service, being dismissed to Sunday school, hanging out with other kids your age and stuff. What were some of the things that you did, like, remember that you did, like, appreciate about just kind of that type of routine, if there is anything? Yeah, it was its own activity, right? I mean, school was one thing. Being Asian, right? Music lessons was another thing, right? (laughs) And badminton, which... You know, that's because we couldn't have a table tennis. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, it was like Sunday morning. Yeah, as kids, you're kind of like, ah, let's hope mom's dad sleeps in. We don't, we, we might make it, we'll be late, then we won't have to go, right? But you get there and I, mean, I don't want it to sound like it was bad or anything. Because there was a lot, I have a lot of good memories about that, right? Um, sure. And there's bad memories per se. I mean, it's not that kind of church, but uh, it was more just like, once again, the peer pressure, right? I didn't feel as if that was what was cool. So I didn't really want to go, but it was, it was fine. It was, you know, you'd go there and you'd have your routine every now and then they'd volunteer. You'd have your volunteer role of who would make the coffee for after church. Right. So as a kid, you got, got drafted in to help out if mom and dad were, were doing that. Right. But at the same time, you'd see your group of sort of church friends there. Right. So that's, that's really what you're there for. And there'd be fun activities, right. In Sunday school. And then, as I mentioned before, the church retreats, right. Cause as a kid, living in mom and dad's house, that, that was like, that was amazing, right? Get away for a camp, away from the parents for a weekend, right? So those were, those were good times, I'll be honest, right? But it's just what it was. And it was sort of, we were made to go there, right? And you had fun when you were there, but as soon as I didn't have to go, it just sort of trailed off, right? I, I think one of the things that I, I wanted to like actually follow up on you, you were someone that like, and you probably still are 
one of the most musical persons I know. Like I remember watching you play piano. And and was that ever a part of kind of church, your experience being a part of a church? Yeah, yeah. I, I made a couple bucks off of that from the church, <laughs> playing the piano, playing the organ when the organist was away. So yeah, you're right. Now that you're jogging my memory, that, those were many years ago, my friend. Uh, yeah. That was like 22, 23 some years ago or more without putting an exact age on things because you and I, people can never tell how old we look anyways, right? That's so, right. <laughs> no, yeah, it was, a, they definitely did cross a lot because obviously music is a big part of church and that that's honestly a, a part that I, I really enjoyed, right? So whether it was being a substitute from when the organist was away and getting to play in the big organ, which is frankly quite intimidating, or many other things like the church would always put on a Christmas musical. So they'd need a piano player or other little other smaller churches like in Carper or whatnot, I would just get hired for a couple of Sundays to just play the hymns, right? And lead people through it. So it was a great way to sort of get exposure to work, I guess, right? Responsibilities, jobs, that kind of things. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a close mismatch between the two, right? Yeah, for sure. The other thing I wanted to follow up with you too is earlier you did say about still holding on to the sense of there is this higher power. And so you know, over the course of your life between when you stopped going to church and to today, you know, what does that mean for your life in terms of thinking about like, oh, there is a higher power, not sure kind of what that is like for my life. Like, you know, how do you continue to think about that? Yeah, it's a good question. A couple of things. First is when things, oftentimes in life, things, you know, seem, especially in a work situation more than anything else, sometimes things can seem unfair and whatnot, right? Why is so-and-so getting away with what they're doing when I'm trying to do a good job here? And whatnot. It's a very simplified example, right? But mm-hmm. the point being is in those types of situations, I sort of remind myself that just I have to do the best that I can do and just sort of have faith that the rest will work out for the best. And as I remember from the various scriptures, Right. Things don't always work out the way you want them to, but that doesn't mean someone isn't looking out for you. Right. So there's been ups and downs in everyone's lives. Right. And for me, that sort of means when there's good stuff happening, just be thankful. Right. And when bad stuff's happening, well, have faith basically. Right. Because uh, sometimes, like you and I, we, we both went through somewhat scientific schooling. Right. Um, yeah. Learning for a while there and whatnot and science and chemistry and all that stuff. There's an answer for everything in life. Right. So sometimes just sort of trusting, having some faith that things are this way for a reason. For me, at least helps get through some of the tougher times. Right. And so one of the things I've done, what I do as part of my routine is every night before bedtime, I'll just say a, a quick prayer, thanking for everything that I have and praying for those that I know that are in need. Right. Very simple, but it's just just part of my routine every night. Just it just happens, right? So, mm-hmm. thanks for sharing that. Appreciate that. I think the last question that I do have for you before we kind of wrap up t- tonight yeah. is, you know, you mentioned, and this is probably going to bring it full circle. You know, for your parents when they reach kind of a certain age, when you guys reach a certain age, they were thinking mm-hmm. about like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, is this something that we'd want to be part of our family? You know, I know that you have a child as well, and you know, for you, has that thought ever crossed your mind? And, you know, what kind of informed how you maybe have made that decision of to decide whether or not to be part of a church? I I just want to kind of pull it full circle and be like, oh, you know what, like family was kind of part hmm. of the decision of why your parents decided to go. And so had that thought ever kind of crossed your mind? 
Not in any sort of drawn out serious sense as of yet. I mean, anything is almost possible. I don't know what's going to happen, right? Uh, but my situation is my ex-wife, so my, my son's mom, she is Quebecois, right? So she grew up in her, with her mom in a period where uh, the Catholic Church in Quebec was getting a lot of scrutiny, right? So that sort of influenced her generation to be somewhat hesitant or resistant towards church in general, right? So it's not really a subject I want to broach. I haven't thought about broaching, but honestly, sort of long back to my parents' philosophy, and that's what I try and, and that's what we both try and take with my son now is that we, we want to expose him to as many things as we can in life and have him give it a fair shot, and then he can decide what is for him and what isn't, right? So, so far that has manifested itself in various sports as opposed to uh, more artistic pastimes, right? Because that's what he's taken to. So we had him start karate. He did karate for a number of years and he decided he didn't like that. So we're like, well, you've done it for a couple of years. Fair enough. So at a certain point, as he gets older, I think religion will, uh, there's definitely a very good chance it'll, it'll come into play too. And uh, he, he asks questions every now and then, right? And I just answer that, you know, different people uh, believe different things, but kids are curious, right? And if he's if he shows interest in wanting to explore that further, I'll definitely help support that, right? And let him figure out his own experiences and wh- where his faith lies, right? Hey, man, I really appreciate you giving some time to share a bit of your story and kind of your reflections. And hey, it's always good to see you and to catch up with you. So thanks so much for, for coming on and, and just sharing you know your background. So thanks so much. Thanks for your time tonight, John. definitely a lot to consider in Mike's story. And one of the best parts about being on this series is being able to just listen and to enter into people's stories, and then to take a step back and reflect and consider how did these experiences inform their decisions and lead them to make the choices that they have made in terms of religious affiliation. There's a lot to reflect on. As always, Bernard, Xenia, and Shu are here. How are you guys doing? Nice. Yo, yo. Hi. Yes, yes. Just from hearing this testimony, this story, what has been some of your initial responses? And maybe I'll kind of jump right into it to kind of get the conversation going. It was really interesting to hear him talk about how that was the cultural family activity. It was a Sunday activity. He had other things that he did on Saturday, and then this was the thing to do together as a family on Sundays. And I was like, we've talked about that previously before on our podcast. Whether you know Canada is still known as a Christian country, whether there's this expectation that like oh like if you're Canadian that should be kind of part of your own story, your own narrative, and yet I couldn't help but just to think that over the course of years I think that has shifted a lot. I would say, at least from my observance, that it's not as common. Maybe it's still thought of, maybe from people immigrating into the country, but. I just feel like it's not as common anymore. It's not this cultural Sunday activity that people are expected to be a part of. I think I was really intrigued that his parents went to a non-Chinese church, like a non-Asian church. Yeah. It's Ottawa, though. <laughs> yeah, but there well, are Chinese churches in Ottawa. I know, I know, I'm, just, I'm just joking. <laughs> well, just as a qualifier for Mike's story, that they did try out different churches before landing on this one, which happened to not be a predominantly Asian one. I also think it was super interesting that he just said, well, one day my mom decided that, and I'm paraphrasing because it's been a while, 
he says something along the lines of like, my, I just, I don't know why my mom decided to do this. So one day we were, we were just going to church and the family went along with it. And so as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, what did the dad think? Like he just, he just went along with it. Was the mom the primary driver of this whole initiative? And just thinking about historically how women have been the people who go to church first, thinking, oh, this is, that's really cool. Also, what was the shift for him? Like, how old was he when he, when that happened for him? How was his first step in? Was that disorienting? Like you were saying, you know, they visited a bunch of Chinese churches before that. Was he along for that journey? I'm also kind of curious, like, just to follow up on what you were saying, Xenia, like, I wonder what the difference is then and the difference is now. Like, I wonder, like, if there is a mm, more, yeah. like, it's more common for people to be like, hey, we're new here. There's a bunch of people going there. What is that? Let's go check it out. As opposed to being like now, it's like, I don't know if like, let's go check out a church to be the first instinct of people who are, you know, trying to figure out what to do on a Sunday morning. And I wonder like if there is even that kind of cultural shift that has happened. Like, I'm not sure when, like they went to church for the first time. I'm reckoning it's probably like a couple of decades ago. Yep, that sounds about right. But I'm curious too about like the cultural shift from then and now. And I'm sure that's huge and, and there is difference, but then there is probably some repetitive pattern in terms of like, you know, I think for Asian churches in the area, like Asian immigrants, like there is that connecting point where it's just as long as, you know, even if you're Christian or not, at least I feel some sort of connected culturally or, or ethnically with, with this group of people. But I, I think that will still happen today. But in terms of like thinking through, like you're saying, like what that could look like today, how that's evolved, how that's changed, I could I could definitely see that there's a change in that too. But it's 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 a mix. I still will be probably in my head, like in in some of the people that maybe I've met too, even recently at church. For me, just thinking about that point as a youth, where I I would say it's it's God's grace that I stuck around in the church. I was never in my church in particular in terms of relating to to his story. But like I stuck around because of community that was developed, and I easily could have not stuck around for that. There's just something that happened in terms of some connection that that got me connected in terms of a friend here or there. But then also like thinking at some point, should I even continue doing this, or is this my what my parents do? You know, I think that that's definitely something that I think is the common thought process with with a lot of people. Is do, do I keep doing this just because you know? that's just the water that I was swimming in or there more to it than this. Do I even have a relationship with God? I think there, there's that aspect. That's also, I think has to be key. Yeah. I think I hear what you guys are saying and I feel that maybe this is something every person decides at one point or another. I hear the questions you're asking Shu and I heard Mike himself say, you know, at one point getting to a certain age deciding that, you know, is this something that I want to continue on in my life? You know, he described his earlier experiences as a youth, as part of the church, as enjoyable. He met good friends there. There was something that, you know, he connected with. And yet at the same time, at a certain age, it just felt that it had no longer any resonance in his life. And it's, it's just really interesting to hear a story. And I don't think his story is uncommon. Often we hear these stories about those going to university. And perhaps that's kind of a parallel to this type of story as well, as those who go to university and have more independence or autonomy, and then having to make a choice whether or not this is part of my life. And if it is, then 
what decision am I going to make? And if it's not, then what decision am I going to make? And I think that's a journey that everyone kind of does have to go through. Like, I wonder if we reflect back on our own journey, like Shu, you were just sharing briefly about it. Like, when did we make a choice? (laughs) Or, you know, why did we decide to stay? (laughs) I, I think the four of us all have different reasons, but it's just everyone I feel has to have that. Even if you did have good experience in your youth growing up in the context of a church. And so I think listening to his story and hearing how he internalized things was like, yeah, he heard this biblical narrative, he heard the values, and those are something that he still feels like he carries with him, and that he feels that, you know, there's this part of him that is considered religious, and yet the place of being part of a church or affiliated is, is also something that is separate. One of the things that, in listening to the stories that we have been throughout this series, has really shown a wide spectrum of where people are and how people are continuing to process and work through things in their own life. And it's not even just from a religious aspect, but it's also from a framework that he believes that there is some sort of higher power and that it helps him to make sense of the world. And yet it's maybe not the traditional way of, you know, seeing a religious person today. I was also thinking about like that experience for him, like as a youth and how this adult side has, you know, there's not as much resonance, not as much relevance in, in terms of where it's at, in terms of his faith. Like, I, I'll tell you guys, I don't know how you guys feel about people in, in your church context, but I can tell you a lot of people in my church context, it's just like going through the generational kind of loop for me, generational cultural loop that I feel like people who have grown up in the church and they're going to, you know, s- stick with it. They have a certain culture that that's on their mind. And I'll tell you, you know, and because I think, well, I'm at that age where I have a young family with, with you know, young kids, and it's almost like typical nuclearish family. But it's just like, there are people who want to stick with this, go get married, go have a good job, almost have this North American dream. It's almost like that's tied into, I think, a lot of church culture, uh, let's just say evangelical church culture right now. And then that's how that is shown. So maybe if you don't connect to that way of being church. It's almost like there's a disconnect there. And I think not everyone is even wanting that uh, or seeing that that is how, uh, that that's the trophy at the end or something like that. And I, again, I don't think that's in, in, in scripture and Jesus teaching to, to do that specifically, but I feel like that we're just kind of at times going through that, that generational cycle and just looks like what maybe our parents did. I want my kids to grow up in fellowship with these other Christian kids. And then I want it to look like this, but maybe, you know, other people don't live life to see that way of being life looks like, or maybe that's not even what faithfulness looks like uh, to, to someone to that degree. Almost kind of sound like there's a captured imagination of like what church is. And it's like, we can't break free from that imagination because it's like this cyclical generational thing. And, you know, you're just kind of stuck in that loop. Not to like use an old reference of Matrix and needing to be unplugged to be able to see, you know, what the reality is. Sometimes I wonder, like, what is it? Like, what what can kind of stir that imagination? And, and maybe part of it too, like, you know, the youth culture that we have been involved with and the youth church culture, like, how does that like inform like this young generation's imagination, 
right? Or is it is there something about youth ministry that's like, yeah, we're challenging them to see something more, but that as they grow up, it's like, no, you gotta now you're an adult. Just cast away those imaginations and you stick with what we have. Like this form, this framework, and we gotta be be do we just gotta do this because you're an adult, right? And I remember like years ago, you know, having that kind of wrestling with um, young adults coming back from university who said, you know, like, oh, we had this like life altering experiences. We live in the same neighborhood and blah, blah, like all this stuff. That's like, you know, when you come back to like, your local church in, in Toronto or whatever, like in your like a commuter church and whatnot, like you don't live in the same dorm anymore. Like there's this dissonance of like, how come like, how come church doesn't feel this way? And sometimes it just, it kind of sucked compared to what I'd experienced in my university. And I remember having many conversations with people and it's kind of like, well, like that's just university. That's not what, how church is supposed to be. Now you come back to the real church, you know, but then over time I'm thinking about this. I'm like, but maybe what, if, what if we got it wrong? What if that was what it was meant to be? And we just lack the imagination to reframe our churches to think, Oh, maybe there's something beautiful about that that we can actually reimagine. So I don't know, like I'm just kind of maybe just critiquing and looking at even the cultures of church that has informed the way that we think. And maybe that's why some of the disassociation and dissonance are happening. Okay, I'm the, probably the strangest person to push back on this because my little church group is just full of rebels and people deconstructing. But I want to say that as you're talking, I'm wondering if we actually need to give expression for churches like mine and leave us be, while also recognizing that like the mainstream big churches, smallest churches, your your standard Christendom churches, to some extent are a faithful expression to the degree that they can be. I think what if we just allowed for a, di- a diverse sort of church expression? I think what we're trying to do is actually give space so that people can be who they ought to be as opposed to, well, you know, like I don't, I think that if some of your people joined my church, they'd have a field day. Like it would just not go well for anybody (laughs) involved, but that's okay because I can recognize that you're trying to follow Jesus as best as you can. And we're doing the same. Right. And so it's some of that, but then as you're saying that, Bernard, I'm like, oh, yes, I've had a million and five of those conversations with young people. But I'm also thinking about this. I was reading Scott Wall's dissertation again, in part because we had another conversation. But I'm thinking about TC and the way that it shaped and formed our young people in the Chinese church here in Ontario. And one of the beautiful things about TC and AFC in particular, which I don't think anybody's been able to identify, is that they actually make space for young people to process one part of their identity safely, right? Like, what does it look like to be Chinese? What does it look like to be Asian? And then the faith stuff comes a little bit later. Sometimes it's in the mix, not always perfect. But consistently what I'm looking at in in our little quadrant of Southern Ontario is that we teach people that faith is in the high moments. Like, we don't know the valleys. We don't understand what it looks like to be faithful in the ordinary times. Like, I think as evangelicals in general, we're always chasing these highs. And it's not to say that the highs are wrong, right? Like, those are part of our calendar. Those are part of, like, we celebrate Christmas and Advent and uh, Epiphany and 
I mean, some of us do, and some of us don't. But it's it's embedded in our faith that we do celebrate those highs as well as the lows, like and to be well in the lows. And I'm wondering because your friend was in the mainline church, I'm pretty sure the discipleship process was a little different than what we experienced growing up. So I'm wondering, okay, well, are we actually and okay, also because it's the 80s and 90s, I'm thinking like a homogenous unit principle. I'm thinking about church growth movement. I'm thinking attractional church. Like all of those things were kind of converging in this this weird, the 90s were weird. I'm sorry. The 90s were weird. And this weird time that just created this, this mishmash of things where people were giving competing narratives of the same thing all at once. And then somehow we were expected to sort through all of it. But what came out of it was this idea that discipleship was one way, the youth culture was the way to go. I mean, we've been deciding for a long time that old is bad and new is good. But I think really there, we started to really look at metrics. So I'm wondering, okay, well, if we're thinking about faithfulness, how do we dial it back? Like, where do we go in our church history to understand how do we move forward? And where's that? I mean, if you ask me, I read a lot of John Wesley, so... And these days, I'm spending a lot of time with John Calvin. God knows why, but that's what's happening. But I'm also spending time with some of our early church fathers and mothers. But there's lots of stories of faithfulness in our particular immigrant diaspora stories that maybe we just need to rediscover. And I think, like, isn't it beautiful that there is so much tradition before us that we don't necessarily have to narrow down to one? That there is a mosaic of history that informs like even different traditions, like traditions that have spanned through the years and, and decades and centuries. And I think like, I don't, I don't know if the answer is like, we've got to pick this one because this one is the right one. But maybe like there is like just a lot in our history, but not losing the fact that we need to also contextualize to, to what it is today as well. It's not just taking a tradition and then plopping it into today, but allowing the, the ancient to set forth into the future but but i think that's what's hard like both of you, i of course agree with what both of you are saying uh, on those things i i find what's more difficult is walking with because you know this series is on nuns and duns right like it's the duns are they're the ones who are struggling through not having this wider picture of appreciating the traditions and, and learning more from the past because they've only known this one way and maybe even their whether the leaders were intentional or not was almost kind of saying, no, this is the only way. And that was the only way I was taught. So this is the only way I want to teach you maybe, right? And I'm not going to you know, call out everybody because it could be unintentional. It just comes across that way, I find too. And I find, you know, that's the weird kind of space that we're in. It's like kind of, I'm thinking of what Xenia is saying. It's like, we got to give space and appreciate. Of course, there are some churches just where they're at and it's just like god bless them that's where you know where my church <laughs> there's god bless them that's where they're at but then there's also that kind of you know how, how do you walk with someone who's in your tradition who's you know wrestling with with, with these things and do you have a, a, a wide enough perspective to be able to help them through that or at least be able to point them to you know, I don't know, point them to Xenia, you know, point them to, to someone who can who can support them and walk with them maybe, you know, on that journey. And I, I think that's the harder part where it's just, I think now you're having more and more people who are able to to deconstruct and to help 
people kind of, they're all more collaborating on that end to deconstruct, but not a lot of people to mentor and walk with people in a irenic way, you know, through, you know, navigating through some of the messes and admittedly going, you know, here's some of the biases that, that I hold or, you know, that the churches hold in the past and we can walk together through some of this. I think that that's what I find is the harder thing that, that I've noticed. Lots to chew on for sure. And I think just kind of wrapping up our reflection time for this episode, I think a lot about my friends like Mike. And I wonder sometimes if, if it's just a certain expression or tradition or culture that has lost its resonance with him. As someone who still feels religious himself, maybe just feels that whether or not he saw it in his own context, but that there wasn't, like Xenia said it earlier, a space to kind of form that new tradition too. I, I know that there's lots that we can be learning from the different traditions and and how do we can be walking alongside others. But I'm wondering too, just like, do we need to see our our faith communities as something that each person can be part of it? And not to say that each church has to be able to be all things to all people, but like on our series, I think it's just like, even going from our first story with Helen, not finding, right, like that connection in that way and feeling more and more that for her to continue to work through her faith and to stay in her community was increasingly difficult. And so I'm wondering what could it look like for more space to be made and for new traditions to be formed that could include those who are maybe not seeing it within their own original culture, uh, a place for that. It just makes me rethink, you know, our conversation. I think Bernard brought it up with like, you know, bounded set versus centered set kind of posture. Like if your posture is guarding or or defending or make sure you retain every single person or or whatever, yeah, I think you're sunk. I think more, not, okay, that's terrible, but you're just, you're, (laughs) you're just stuck in that framework. But then if the way that you're orienting around Christ and then you can engage in, in different waters, which isn't, I don't think everyone's able or capable to do that. I think that's going to be more engaging towards people in the future. That's just the, I think the missional posture that that's just part of that, but, you know, kind of jumping off what Xenia is saying is this like, but some churches are where they're at for, for, you know, God put them in, in there in that, for, for that reason or for that time. Like just thinking about, you know, John Calvin's church, which doesn't exist anymore. But it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, the, our churches won't exist as a, you know, monolith for, you know, for the future in that way. But the, the church of Jesus Christ, you know, continues on and has changed in a lot of expression and forms and it, its interpretation. So, yeah, I think it's just like, are we open to engaging in that way, but having one foot in the tradition and, and one foot in, you know, kind of where the spirit's leading and how to engage those who are thinking differently? I think for me, in listening to your reflection, John, the thing that I would like to see as part of our posture is this dedication to listening and asking good questions. When we're listening, I once had a pastor who said to me, like, listening is such a valuable commodity because nobody listens anymore. Like, listening might be the equivalent of washing people's feet. I don't know if I fully agree with him on that, but I think there's something about that there where when we're, when we listen to people, 
we're present to them. And we're not thinking, it's not a listening that says, oh, I got to respond to this thing they're saying. It's a, it's a listening that's attentive that says, oh, what does this person need? What is the spirit saying to me as I'm listening to this person? How do I love this person while in this moment? What does it look like for me to ask a question that actually helps me? How do I grow from this relationship as much as um, I'm helping this person grow? Maybe our churches today need to learn a little bit more is how to be uncomfortable. Like how to actually be like inviting us. We are listening to other people that we're listening so that we're not, it disrupts our comfort. What we understand as security, what we understand is like, maybe there's something about being uncomfortable that actually creates new spaces. Because if we are comfortable and secure and everything is like, you know, like it's good, then what changes will we move ahead to? And I think like, you know, like what we often you know, love about the, the kind of weird conversations that I get myself into is that like, there's just so much that God is doing. And I think until like we get ourselves into the spaces that we are uncomfortable with, like it's just really hard. Right. And I think like, and I wonder for many people who have experienced church, uncomfort is not their experience. And maybe, maybe, maybe it's needed. Maybe it's part of it. No, that's really cool. What could it be like to be able to embrace being a people that are uncomfortable, <laughs> being churches that are uncomfortable? The undiscipleship that we wanted to, <laughs> to do. Right. But yes, like to really, embrace it and to be not fighting against it i think maybe too much of trying to get back to where they need to be or or our level of comfort might be doing a disservice perhaps to people who are continuing searching continually wanting to know christ and and it's just difficult and so maybe that's just should be part of what a church is and maybe we need to kind of reclaim that anyways good thoughts Lots for us to continue to reflect on. And what does it mean for us to journey alongside others? And that'll be it for our episode today. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode. We'd love to hear from you how you are reflecting on Mike's story and his experiences growing up in the church and having a positive experience, and yet as an adult choosing to go in a different direction. For those who are part of churches, what does this mean? How do we continue to understand the journeys of people in their own lives and what does it mean for the spaces that we create? Let us know what you think. As always, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or by email. Our email is contact.campodcast. That's contact.campodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast and to share it as well. That really helps us to get this conversation out there, to invite more people into it, to hear back from more people's experiences. And at the same time, you won't miss a single episode on this series and all the episodes that we've got planned coming up. Once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. And on behalf of Shu, Xenia, Bernard, and myself, we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time.